0: Then I will have you open to Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll finish up the chapter, verses 30 through 40, as we uh, as we finish out this uh, what's called the Hall of Faith. And uh, we've been talking about some of the big names. Uh, we we started. Uh, we could kind of focus on on three people that first week, and and then uh, we had uh, Abraham and and Moses and. Now we're going to get a bunch of names, and some you might not know, in all honesty. There might be a couple there that, that throw you off a little bit, and we could easily spend a lot of time talking about some of these people, but, but the author, as we go through it, he's going to kind of mention, look, we're going to run out of time if we spend too much time talking about them. So, uh, so we want to mention them and, and then uh, see where our author takes us by mentioning all of these people and, and all of the things they have done. And this is all under the, the idea, remember, he's trying to keep us from apostasy, trying to keep us from walking away from Christ as, as he was writing to these uh, people. And he has defined faith. And he did that in, in verse 1. If, if you uh, remember, go back to verse 1. He's the faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And, and he's showing us what that looks like in the lives of many of these Old Testament people. And so uh, we're going to get a bunch of them uh, today and, and, and a bunch of things that have happened. Uh, so let me read Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 30. By faith... The walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lines, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by the resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered, mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for all of these examples of, of people who by faith uh, were, 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 were true to you, and some of the things that they did, and some of the things that happened to them, and and we pray that as we look at your word, you will speak to our hearts, and we do pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Well, you you look at this uh, this passage here and and just the way uh, this this chapter has been laid out, you know we, we threw out some big names early, there was Abel and and uh, then Noah built the ark, you know, and, and, and uh, Abraham and, and Moses, and it was kind of like these fireworks, you know, going up, you know, poof, look at that one, that's, that's great, look what Noah did, and Abraham and, and Moses, but when you're at a fireworks show, and I'm stealing this from someone else, but there's always that finale, we're just like boom 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 and you know things are happening and they you know just fireworks are going up and and what's impressive is not only that you've got these fireworks but just the number of them and everything that's happening and and that's kind of what our author does here it ends with this uh, of this chapter anyhow ends with just this 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 finale of names and deeds and things that have have happened and and it's it's impressive and, and again uh, I've say this probably too often for some of you but uh, we have to remember our writer is writing to first century jewish christians and and they're being tempted back into judaism or some form of it and and so when he mentions these old testament people uh, they know uh, the old testament really well uh, perhaps better than we do and so uh, some of these names that seem a little mysterious to us they they know where to find them anyhow and and they know uh who they are and 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 so uh he he gives us the these heroes of faith and and shows us something about them that that they too are we're always looking for for something out there and, and he's mentioned this before that they were looking forward to something not only were they looking forward to it but they knew they needed this messiah this this christ they knew they needed uh what god was going to bring although he god hadn't brought it yet and and they they just lived by faith and and even the the nation of israel uh, living by faith uh, as they go into jericho go into the promised land and and uh, we, we start with, with Jericho and, and Rahab. And actually, I want to take these a little bit backwards. Uh, the author has been going chronological pretty much, but now he's not so chronological. He's just throwing out names and, and things that have happened. And, and actually, uh, Rahab comes before Jericho falls. And, and Rahab, her story is found in Joshua chapter 2 uh, in Jericho falls uh, in Joshua chapter 6. But let me just start with Rahab just for a little bit. You see her in verse 31. And, and what has happened is Israel had sent spies uh, to, to scout out the land. They're going to go into the promised land. They're not there yet, but they're just about to go. They send these spies across and they said, just tell us what's there and, and what we need to know. And, and uh, Rahab uh, brings the spies in, and, and she's friendly with them. She, everyone else is terrified. She tells uh, the spies that. She said, look, everybody here is terrified of, of you because we know what God has been doing. Now, it's a pagan land, but but they know, wait, your God is, is the God that's really doing things. I mean, he, he parted the Red Sea for you guys, and you walked through that, and and as the uh, kings tried to stop you on the way here, you, you beat them, and and we know... That your God is, is the God. But she does something different with that knowledge. While the rest were terrified of that and, and wanted to build an army and, and, and be stronger than Israel, uh, she has the same knowledge they had, but she said, But, but I, want, I want to be part of you. Your God is the God. I want to go with you guys and and she had faith the others were disobedient as it says in verse 31 and and earlier in in uh Hebrews chapter 3 the author had pointed out that disobedience and unbelief are basically the same thing the rest were still unbelieving but Rahab by faith she said here, you guys stay here. And she hid them. The guards came looking for these spies. She hid them, sent the, the guards out another way and then told the spies how to get out of town. And, and, and she struck a deal. She said, but save me because I know you guys are going to take over. I know you're coming and I know you're going to win, but save me and my family. And they said, okay, you keep your family in your house. If they're outside of your house, we won't know, but keep them in your house and, and you'll be saved. And, and so she knows She's living in the walls of this big fortified city, and the, and the military's on edge. They're ready to fight. But she said, no, I'm not going to trust that. I, I want to go with you spies. I'm, I, your God is, is the God. And so by faith, uh, she's good to these spies. And then sure enough, uh, Jericho or Israel comes across uh, uh, the, the, the Jordan and, and they're in the promised land. And then uh, w- this is verse 30 now, uh, the walls fall of, of Jericho and, and uh, by faith. because how else do you explain what happened there? Because here's what Israel did. Uh, Joshua got them together and they, they walked around the city. Okay? And then the next day they walked around the city again. They did that for six days. You know, and, and I, I kind of like to think, you know, just imagine what's going on because this makes no sense, actually. And you wonder the people in Jericho as they're watching this, remember they're a little afraid because they've heard of, of what's been going on with Israel. And, uh, you know, okay, they walked around the city again. And the next day, again. You know, and, and maybe Jericho's wondering, all right, is this a war or exercise? You know, what, what are we doing here? And, and Rahab's family, you know, you wonder what they're thinking as they're sitting with Rahab, because I'm sure she brought them in right away. And, and, you know, the next day they walk around again, and they're thinking, really? We're with these guys? They're, they're not doing anything. And Israel themselves, what are they thinking? Well, God told us to walk around the city again today, so we'll walk around. And they walk around once and and go back to the camp and sit down. and, And then the seventh day comes, and then they walk around the city seven times, and they blow horns, and they shout. And what you know, the walls of the city come down. And, and Israel routs Jericho, and, and uh, John Chrysostom, the, the, uh, one of the early church fathers, he writes, Assuredly, the sound of trumpets is unable to cast down stones, though one blow for 10,000 years, but faith can do all things. It wasn't the trumpets that were blowing that knocked the walls down, it was the God of, of the, the faith. the the God who these people had put their faith in and told them to blow the trumpets that brought it down. A French uh, theologian by the name of Spick, he was uh, in the 1900s faith, uh, and and I quote, is not concerned with means. It achieves its objectives because God intervenes for its vindication. God is is working in this. And once again, Israel uh, outmanned you know, there's this big fortified city. Israel blows some horns and shouts, and the walls come down. And then the author says, and I'm going to run out of time if, if I keep talking about these people. And in verse 32, he said, well, what more shall I say? Time's going to fail me. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. He didn't even try to get into all the prophets. Uh, look, there, there's so many of them. And, and like I said, a lot of the, the first century uh, Jewish people would have known uh, some of these. But let me just uh, very quickly uh, run through some of them. Uh, Judges is where we find uh, Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. And, and th- they fought wars, basically. Gideon, in fact, started with uh, 32,000 warriors, and he was going to go against Midian, who had over 100,000. And, and 100,000 uh, plus to, you know, versus 30,000 plus, and, and God looked at Gideon and said, you have too many. And eventually he whittled them down to 300! 300! And, and then God said, all right, now we're ready to go. And, and it was much like Jericho, because they blew horns and made a lot of noise, and, and what you know, they defeated Midian, Put them on the run. Uh, Barak, uh, he had a, a an infantry, really. Uh, meanwhile, he was fighting against uh, uh, a mechanized uh, force, if you will, a well-oiled machine of, a, of an army uh, of Sisera. And, and, and Barak won uh, with the help of Deborah. Samson, single-handedly, uh, knocked down a whole temple, killed a whole bunch of Philistines. Jephthah, uh, outmanned, defeats Amorites and Ammonites and, and uh, David. You know, we all know the story of David and Goliath, or, or most of us do. David's so small he can't even wear a suit of armor, and God said, I don't care, take a slingshot and go. And he does, and he, he beats this big giant, uh, and then he just, you know, establishes uh, the kingdom. There, there's Samuel, uh, and Samuel too was up against the Philistines. And much the same way, Samuel really didn't have a great army he was working with, but it didn't matter because God confused all the Philistines. They started fighting among themselves, and and Samson wins. And and the army, I should say God, wins. Uh, The prophets, like I said, he doesn't even try to get into the prophets. They were continually threatened uh, as they would speak the truth. And they were continually proven right. And there was often this uh, double fulfillment in their prophecies. There was an immediate prophecy to show that, yeah, you see, this is a real prophet. And then there was this kind of out there prophecy that was talking about this Messiah that was to come. And that was still out there. But he talks about uh, these people and, and then some of the things that were accomplished by faith in verses 33 through 35. And, and as you read through some of these things, uh, you know, some of the names, uh, you will recognize, or I shouldn't say the names, but you'll, you can say, oh, I, I see what this guy did, uh, you know, if uh, uh, they conquered kingdoms, you know, and, and David conquered kingdoms, and, as well as many others. Enforced justice, and we see the prophets doing that. Obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, uh, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. You know. And as I said, you, you think of, oh, Daniel. Yeah, that's right, Daniel, there was lions there, and, and Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament, uh, thrown in fire. Uh, Esther, you might recognize uh, her... Uh, in some of that, Elijah and Elisha brought back uh, a couple of young men from, from the dead and, and, and returned them to their mothers. And, and there's just so much. He, he can't even mention it all. I can't mention all the names and all the things that were done. But what he does remind us of is that here are all of these people and, and nations uh, that were at one time outnumbered, outmanned, outsized, Out fortified. It looked like they had no chance of victory. And yet they won. They were victorious because they had this faith that was grounded in in God and this faith that is effective because God works through faith. And God was working this way in, in their lives so that they could see God at work. They could say, This is great this is God in all of his glory, and he's working and and doing things that seem impossible. And when they see that, it changed who they were. See, the more faith is strengthened, the less likely you are to apostatize. And that's what the author is getting at here. He said, look, these guys, they, they had this great faith, and they did all of these things. It reminds me a little bit of of Psalm 105, uh, where the psalmist writes, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Remember what God has done. And a lot of times in our lives, we need to just stop and think, remember when God got me through some pretty difficult places. Some things where I thought, well, this this is just never going to end good. Things that seemed impossible, and God got us through that. It's also a good idea, I always think, to to read of some of these saints down through history, of they were just outnumbered. They were in a place where it seemed like they couldn't win. And then how God changed their lives in the midst of all of that. And, and it's important for the readers here and, and for us to see that God is in complete control and he's completely trustworthy. Because when you live a life of faith, it's not necessarily, if I can use this phrase again, it's not necessarily your best life now. A life of faith can still be a life of struggle. There can still be some things that come up, and that's where the author goes next. If you notice, uh, at the end of uh, verse 35 and and through verse 38, look what happened to some of these people then. Tortured, uh, mocked, flogged, chains, imprisonment, stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword. Uh, about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, wandering about in deserts and mountains, dens and caves. It doesn't sound like a great life that some of these people lived. Tortured, mocked, imprisoned, and, and, and especially the prophets. You know, The prophet Zechariah in, in Second Chronicles, we see that he was stoned to death. Uh, history uh, tells us that uh, Jeremiah... Uh, This is the Jewish tradition. Jeremiah was stoned to death. The the prophet Isaiah uh, was reportedly sawn in two. You see that in verse uh, 37. Uh, That was the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Jesus uh, mentioned in Luke chapter 13, he cried out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. See, this rejection of God and God's people was happening long before Jesus uh, was born into the world. It happened to Jesus himself. It's been happening down through history. Uh, Some, I know, have read uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, which uh, can be a little unsettling at times. Uh, But just these stories of what believers have, have gone through in maintaining their faith. Uh, in God and, and uh, holding on to the truth of God. It's happening around the world right now where people are being marginalized or sometimes uh, criminalized and, and brutalized for their faith in God, their faith in Christ. We, we have it, we've been having it pretty good here. We can meet and worship and praise and, and we don't have to worry about uh, somebody coming in and telling us this is illegal. However, I, I do remember when I was in seminary, uh, I had a friend and it was getting towards the end. And, and uh, I knew he was going somewhere that I wouldn't be going. Um, we were kind of going to go our different directions. And, and uh, I, I remember saying to him, well, it might be a while before we see each other. And he kind of chuckled and said, well, maybe we'll both end up in the same prison when we're preaching through Romans chapter 1. And we kind of laughed about it, but the more I live life now, the more I realize, you know what, if I do preach Romans chapter 1 at some point in my lifetime, I might end up in prison. You know, that's just the way the world is going right now, and it really wouldn't surprise me if that were to happen. If I were to preach Romans chapter 1, as it's really written, not with some uh, exegetical gymnastics and imagination and make it say something else. It's how the world is. And it shouldn't surprise us. Uh, one theologian writes, uh, the, 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 these indignities depicts, and I'm quoting, depicts the fierce hatred of the unbelieving world in its guilty hostility to the truth. And that's the way the world has been. We've been insulated, and praise God, we've been somewhat insulated. But things change. But I also want to notice two phrases in all of that. In verse 35, there was a phrase that they might rise again to a better life. And in verse 38, they were those of whom the world was not worthy. See, by by faith, uh, remember, it's this um, assurance of things hoped for from verse 1, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, Jesus uh, would preach in Matthew chapter 5, the the Sermon on the Mount. uh, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anyone except to be thrown out and trampled under the people's feet. Jesus was saying uh, exactly what the the author of Hebrews picks up on here. Yeah, the the world's not going to like the things of God. But we've got to stay true to God through all of that because we're the only hope the world has, really, in, in speaking the truth, that God will speak his truth through his, his people. Uh, John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And that's, that's what these Old Testament saints, they realized. We abide with God forever if, if we just keep doing his will. And I love that phrase, of whom the world is not worthy, in verse 38. And I want to take this to an extreme, as I sometimes do, but I remember one time I was, uh, I was at Mount Rainier in the state of Washington, and we were followed some trails up, and we weren't anywhere near the top, but we had gone up Mount Rainier, and and the very reason we had done this, it was late August, and, and it was beautiful weather, and and we were watching the sun set on one side and the full moon come up on the other side. And this was all happening at one time. And, and, and the moon looked so close. It's like you could almost reach out and touch it. And, and there's all these mountains in front of us. And I could see uh, Mount St. Helens actually was a little in the distance there. And, and just this beautiful uh, scene in front of me with the setting sun and the rising full moon and, and all of these mountain ranges and, and think of, of standing there and then Jesus coming up beside you and looking around and saying, you're better than this. You know, you look around, you, you can't be talking to me, right? Better than this? You see, it's still a sinful world. It's still a sinful world fallen world that we live in and there is a glorious paradise far better than what we're going to find here and when you when you think about that it 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 doesn't can't make us arrogant but it just humbles us to think god's got something better than the best i can think of in this world because the world is still fallen And it's because of nothing I've done. It's it's nothing that these people have done, but they had their faith in God. And it's their faith in God that makes them one of of whom the the world is not worthy. It's it's all of God. And by faith in God, there is that, that something better. And we know the, the something better. If you, if you look at verses uh, 39 and 40, then, they were commended through their faith, and they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. And, and notice that. that they're commended uh, through their faith in verse 39. As I was going through that list of people, you may have noticed, you know, some of these people had some pretty bad sin. You know, you you go back to verse 31, Rahab, she's identified as a prostitute. Uh, And and not only that, I love how uh, the Puritan Thomas Manton points out, she's a prostitute in a pagan land. She's a, a pagan prostitute. So she's defiled physically and spiritually. And yet... She has faith in God, and that changes who she is. And she's commended for her faith. Uh, We think of Samson and some of the sin of of his life. David, with his adultery and and his murder. Jephthah is is another one who made this really uh, rash vow and ends up uh, sacrificing his daughter. Uh, Gideon, uh, who uh, ran into an idolatrous uh, situation, uh, John Kelvin writes, In all the saints, something reprehensible is ever to be found, yet faith, though halting and imperfect, is still approved by God. See, we never take our grace for granted, but we never need to despair that God is going to overlook faith in Him. We try to keep ourselves from sin, but we know we have that advocate. We know we have Christ. And if our faith is in Him, we know that God is never going to overlook our faith. You see, and they had faith. Even though they didn't receive what was promised, it says they were looking for something better. And what is the author of Hebrews? I've mentioned this time and time again. What what has he been going at over and over uh, through this whole book, pretty much? Jesus is better. He's better than the angels, he's better than Moses, he's better than Abraham, he's better than the high priest, he's better than all the sacrifices, he's the perfect sacrifice. Jesus is better, Jesus is better, he's been going at that this whole time, and here he comes back to that idea, since God has provided something better for us. They didn't know Jesus by name, they just knew something was coming Uh, John Kelvin again, if those on whom the great lights of grace had not yet shown such surpassing consistency in all their ills, what effect ought the full glory of the gospel to have on us? A tiny spark of light led them to heaven, but now that the sun of righteousness shines on us, what excuse shall we offer if we still cling to the earth? They caught just a little glimpse of this Messiah. But now the the, the full gospel has come out. We know who Jesus is and what he did and how he defeated death and how he died for our sins. We have no excuse for hanging on to the world. And sometimes I get asked this question, how were the Old Testament people saved? Was it through the sacrifices, through the sacrificial system? And the answer here, uh, as we can see, is they were saved exactly as we are. They were saved by the blood of Christ. They were just looking at it from the other end, they were looking at it before it happened. But they were waiting for that. And they are perfected. And the wording gets kind of tricky in some translations, but uh, notice at the end uh, that apart from us, they should uh, not be made perfect. And what he's saying is they were perfected exactly as we are perfected by Christ. Uh, Back in, in chapter 10, the author wrote, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Paul writes in Ephesians uh, Ephesians 1 of of, uh, all things united in Christ. It was always Christ. It was Christ then, it's Christ now, it'll be Christ in the future. It's always Christ who perfects us. And we know that. And we have that faith. And whatever the world uh, throws at us, Our author wants us to remember who God is, how powerful He is. And with our faith in Him, we can endure all trials, as these Old Testament people did, knowing that there's something better. The better is there. This world, not only is it not our home, it's not even good enough for God's people. He's got something better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the promises you give us. We thank you for the great people of faith you had walked before us that saw who you were and endured all things to stay faithful to you and your word And your promises, and that they are rewarded for their faith. We ask that you strengthen our faith through all things, whatever this uh, world may come at us with, that we will be true to you and hang on to our faith, though we sometimes falter in our sin. Strengthen us in your forgiveness that we have in Christ that we may continually walk in your way, doing your will for your glory, through Jesus Christ, amen. And then if you do want to stand, and we will uh, sing the doxology.